Lord, and would you open your precious Bible? I got a lot to say tonight, and so if you'll stay with me, we're going to go to 1 Kings chapter number 1, 1 Kings chapter 1, 1 Kings chapter 1, and we're going to continue and hopefully finish our thought tonight, uh, what we started on last Sunday night on just dealing with the undisciplined child, and really I want to focus on proper biblical discipline. And we're going to take uh, this passage that we started on last night. We're going to look at several things tonight on what God says about proper biblical discipline. So very important. So let's look here. Uh, We know in uh, chapter 1 of 1 Kings, we're coming to the close of King David's life. And the Bible says in verse 1, Now King David was old and stricken in years, and they covered him with clothes, but he got no heat. Wherefore his servant said unto him, Let them... There be sought for my Lord the king a young virgin, and let her stand before the king, and let her cherish him, and let her line thy bosom, that my Lord the king may get heat. So they sought for a fair damsel throughout all the coasts of Israel, and found Abishag, a Shunammite, and brought her to the king. And the damsel was very fair, and cherished the king, and ministered to him, but the king knew her not. Now I want to say this quickly, this was... Very uh, normal for the custom of that day. Would not be normal for the custom of our day and obviously would not recommend it. But we do understand here that as he's getting older, and this is one of the things that the Bible teaches us in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, when we start uh, to, to get old and we start to get older and we start, obviously, the Bible says the moment we're born, we start to die. And we know as we get older, the Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, certain things take place. The Bible says that we get up at the sound of the bird. Our sleeping is not as good as it was when we were younger. The grinders are low. The teeth start to be uh, changed. The eyesight seems to be affected. The hearing is a lot uh, harder to, to get when you get older. Plus, we also understand one of the things as you get older, it's harder for us to retain heat. So in the custom of that day, uh, they wanted to be very kind to their king, and so they wanted to help him in his last days. Now I want you to notice in verse 5, Then Adonijah, the son of Haggith, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. And he prepared him chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. Now I want you to notice verse 6, because this is our text. And his father had not displeased him at any time in saying, Why hast thou done this? Now, think about this a moment. Uh, We talked about that so last week when we talked about David. David was a wonderful king. The Bible said that he was a a mighty man of war. The Bible said that he was a mighty man of valor. Men followed him. The Bible also said that he was a sweet psalmist of Israel. We also know that he was a man after God's own heart. But like everyone that has ever lived and been alive, We all have weaknesses, and I believe that David's weakness was his parenting. Now we find here, uh, we understand in 2 Samuel chapter 13, his son Amnon, he raped his sister, and there was no consequences to that. Then we also know in 2 Samuel chapter 13 that Absalom murdered his brother Amnon because he committed this sin towards his sister and there was nothing done again to Absalom. And then later, we know that Absalom even took the kingdom and there was no consequence of that from his father David. Now we find here in 1 Kings chapter 1, towards the end of his life, the Bible very clearly says that he never spoke to his son Adonijah that he ever disciplined him. 
The Bible said, the Bible very clearly said, had not displeased him at any time. In other words, parents, here's what he was more interested in. He was more interested in his children being happy than right. He was more interested in his children being more happy than right. By the way, if you discipline a child properly, he's not or she's not always going to be happy. I can remember the days of my mother and my father, they had disciplined me. Those were not good days. And as a child, I didn't understand it. But as an adult, I understand it. So I wanted to just talk to you about proper biblical discipline. We know that King David did not properly discipline Adonijah. And it costed many things. And so we've dealt with this. By the way, God is asking us to do things in training children that you will never do without the aid of the Holy Spirit to do it. I know I gave you this illustration. Kaylee is a beautiful young lady. She was a beautiful little girl. She had big blue eyes. She had big bushy curly blonde hair. And she just had a, a spirit about her, an attitude about her. And I'll never forget, one of the deacons in our church at Greystone came up to me one day and said, Brother Mark, he said, I have no idea how you can discipline that pretty little girl. I says, well, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, it takes help from God to do it. But if she was your daughter, you wouldn't have any trouble doing it. You say, well, what do you mean? I, no, it is hard. It's hard to discipline your child. It's hard to do what God asks you to do. That's why a lot of parents don't do it. It's hard to do. But what God asks us to do will only be enabled by the Holy Spirit of God. But at the same time, I want you to notice in this passage in Adonijah, notice the marks of this life of this older man that was never disciplined Notice the marks of his life. He had no self-control. Because the Bible said he was not waiting. He didn't even wait for his father to die. He already said, I'm going to be king. Now, can you imagine how heartless, how thoughtless? And by the way, it amazes to me, the vultures even come around today, even before there's a death. It's amazing to me how children can be fighting over the things of their parents and their parents aren't even past yet. I just want to serve notice to all of y'all tonight. I don't care if anything my mom and dad has. I love them more than anything they got. And to me, that makes all of that precious is them. And I'm telling you, we live in a day. I done dropped my notes. We live in a day where we see that even today there are so many people that are, have no self-control. Then notice another mark of Anijah. He was full of pride. The Bible said he exalted himself. He said, I will be king. He exalted himself. He was so full of pride. And then we see that he had selfish rebellion. Here's what he said. He said, I will be king. See, he had never had anybody tell him anything that had any restraints because David, the Bible said, never displeased him. Never disciplined him. Then not only that, he was deceitful in the fact that he used others in his plan. I want to tell you something. A child that has been left to their own and they've never been properly, biblically disciplined. I'm going to tell you something. They're some of the most deceptive, some of the most sneaky people you'll ever be around. Because they've learned how to play the game. They've learned, just like him, he got other people involved because he had no restraint. So one of the greatest gifts that you can give your child or children is teach them biblical obedience through godly, loving discipline. Don't forget the loving. 
Don't forget the loving. Don't forget the loving. I want to speak on biblical loving or speak on loving biblical discipline. Y'all ready? Number one, we're going to go fast. Number one, the motive of discipline. Why should we discipline? What was the real problem with David not disciplining his son? Well, I want to tell you something. It's not just simply to make life easier, the reason why we should discipline. And by the way, church, I know we're limited here in a capacity, but we have to help and correct children here, but we need to be wise in which way we do it. Very wise. We're not in a day like we were back in the 70s where everything goes. We have to be sensitive, but yes, we have to have and discipline and train children even here. But we must do this by love. I've said this many times. People don't care what you know. They don't care what you know till they know you care. And we've missed that. By the way, that's one of the things in the independent Baptist movement that I absolutely abhor. I think people think all we want to know is what they know. I want to tell you something right now. No, I want to know you love me. And if I know you love me and you have my best interest in mind, I'm going to tell you something. I'll be more apt to listen. Because I know the Lord loves me. But the motive of discipline, what what is it? Here it is. Are you all ready? What is the motive of of loving biblical discipline? We are shaping a heart for the future. We're shaping a heart for the future. Do you know that there is something in the heart of every child? Now, I know... Not every parent's going to like this. Not every grandparent's going to like this. But it is true. Do you know that in the heart, there is something in the heart of every child that the Bible says that parents must reach and drive it out? It must be reached and it must be driven out. What is that? Would you turn to Proverbs chapter 22, verse 15? And I'm going to teach you what the Bible says. And we all know this verse. But there is something that in in the heart of every child, yes, that means my grandchildren, that means your grandchildren, that means my children, that means your children. I want you to know something. There is something in the heart of every child that must be reached and it must be driven out. Notice what the Bible says in Proverbs 22 verse 15. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. That must be reached. I want you to know something. It must be driven out. What does the word foolishness mean? It means deceptiveness, trickery, deceit, a variant of the word which is folly. The word folly means empty, a senseless disobedience. Listen, scripturally, a fool is an adult whose parents never trained or disciplined the foolishness out of them. Now I want you to get a hold of that. A fool is an adult that a parent never scripturally dealt with and disciplined them, never trained them, lovingly trained them, lovingly disciplined the foolishness out of them. The Bible says that foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. It's there. It's not something that we will, well, we're going to take a chance. My child won't have it. Maybe this child won't have it. No, the Bible says that every child is bound in the heart of foolishness. And by the way, David had to own this. David had to own this. David had to own. Now listen, I'm not playing on words here. 
The Bible itself says very clear, and his father, which was David, notice the wording, had not displeased him at any time. In other words, David never disciplined Adonijah. I'm not telling you that. That's not something I'm making up. That is what God's word says. He never disciplined him. So in the heart of Adonijah, the foolishness was never trained or disciplined or driven out of his life. Now let me bring it down to here. Next time you think it's really, 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 really hard to deal with your children in a proper way, wait just a minute. Be careful. Be careful you don't own something many years down the road. Because I'm going to tell you right now, whatsoever a man soweth, he will reap it. When someone says to you, I don't know how you discipline your children, I'm going to say, well, I love them too much not to. I love them too much not to. See, we live in this world today where that's ugly and, you know, that's awful. And, oh, my goodness, that is a misplaced love. And that Bible is an archaic book. And we don't do it that way anymore. But I want you to know something. We love them too much not to. The motive of discipline through godly, biblical, loving discipline, you drive out foolishness and you replace it with what? Wisdom? And as you do that, you're transforming a heart. By the way, if you're going to discipline a child properly, it takes time. It takes as much talking and instructing as it does anything else. So the motive of discipline. By the way, I'm not an authority on this, but I know the word of God is an authority on this. I want you to notice not only the motive of discipline, but I want you to notice the method of discipline. In the text, the Bible very clearly says he never displeased him. So if if he would have displeased him, in other words, what he would have done, he would have corrected him. Now we understand we have to instruct, we have to train. What does that mean? What a train means to teach. Now I have failed at this in a lot of ways. I'm not being ugly, but there was a lot of things my father trained me in. Now, working on a car was not one of them. My father never knew how much to work on a car, hence I don't either. I'm not much around the house, fix a whole lot of things, neither was my dad. But I'm going to tell you what my dad did train me to do. He taught me how to handle a gun. He taught me gun safety. He taught me how to fish. Somebody say amen. Amen. He taught me a lot of things, and I was able to pass down that on to Clay, whatever he wanted to know. But you know what's amazing? I've looked. There's a lot of things I haven't trained Clay in either. He's not the greatest auto mechanic in the world. Right? At all. He goes farther than that. And so, again, but there are some things that my father trained me in. I hope that there's some things that I've trained Clay in. And I want to tell you something. When you train, you know what that means? That means a lot of time, a lot of teaching, and a lot of instructing. And when we discipline and properly discipline our children, it takes instructing. It takes teaching. And I'm going to tell you what else. It takes a lot of answering and asking questions. Sometimes people get offended when someone asks a question. But I'll say to you, you'll never learn until you ask. 
By the way, your children should ask, and I hope they would ask you. You're their parents. Ask someone, and don't ever get frustrated with a child that likes to ask questions because that's how they learn. That gives you a great opportunity to teach. That gives you a great opportunity to train. That gives you a great opportunity to instruct. That gives you a great opportunity to invest in them. Communication is not overrated. Can I say not only instruct them, but we also know that the Bible gives leverage for corporal punishment. Now I know this is not popular today, and I know the world's trying to get rid of all of this, and I'm going to say this to you, I would instruct you to be very careful where and how you do this. But the Bible is still very clear. I want you to notice even the verse we read, 22.15. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. That's pretty easily understood. Can we go to chapter 13, verse 24 of Proverbs? And let me read you another passage here. The Bible says, he that spareth his rod. Now here's what I've heard all my life. Oh, if you spare the rod, you spoil the child. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say spare the rod, spoil the child. The Bible says he that spareth his rod hateth his own son. But he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. By the, time, by the way, my parents love me a lot. And they love my sister more. Somebody say amen back there in the back row. Yeah. I think somebody else knows what that's all about. And I didn't understand that when I was a boy because my, my mom used to say to me, no, Mark, you don't understand this, but I love you. That's why I'm doing it. And I said, well, I don't know why you love me so much. But as I'm an adult, I understand. And by the way, let me just say this. I bet you if David had it to do over, he'd have done it different. Because you know why? I'm going to tell you why. He had, he had, he had to own that he helped cause his son to die prematurely. He had to own that. That was on him. I'm not saying I'm putting it on him. God put it on him. He said his father had not displeased him at any time. And he basically says that's why he's acting like he's acting. That's why. Verse 6 opens up this whole passage. That is why Adonijah said, I'm going to be king. That's why he had no restraints. That's why he said, I'm going to overtake my father's throne. That's why he got other people and deceived them in this plan. God says the reason why is because his father never trained him. There is room and there's leverage for corporal punishment. By the way, it ain't fun. It's not exciting. It's not something we look forward to doing. But we ought to love our children too much not to. Let's look at chapter 29 and let's look at another verse here that I believe is very important. Look at verse 15. And parents, you ought to mark it. The Bible said, the rod and reproof give wisdom. But now listen here now. But a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. Can I give you a personal illustration? There was a boy at, uh, or at Greystone and pastor was there and there was a young boy that had to be disciplined at the church. Now, by the way, the way they were disciplined at the church is they were just talked to and they might not got to participate in something because we don't practice corporal punishment here. And by the way, we don't touch a child here. 
So corporal punishment in a church is totally different. We might not let them play. They might have some things that they're not able to do. We restrict things, but we have to have some type of disciplinary actions here in this church. But most of the time, it's just you're telling a child to stop, and they might not get to maybe play in something fun. Well, there was a young boy that was uh, talked to and then wasn't able to play. Well, he went home, told his mom, and the next thing you know, his mom comes down, and I mean, she's hollering, she's screaming, and here's what she said. She said, nobody tells my boy he can't do something. And I, I'm going to be honest with you. Pastor was wise. I don't think we have one up here, but uh, we might have one up here. Let's see if we have one up here. Yeah, we have one up here. Here's what he said. He had a box of tissues right here in his office and he just walked over there and he says, ma'am, he said, all I'm going to say to you is you better get you a bunch of these. Because what's going to happen based on the Bible, your child's going to break your heart. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says if a child is left to their saint, listen to me now, mothers, and God used that word. He didn't say it bring fathers to saint. He said it would bring mothers to shame because you do know that the most influential person in children's lives are the mother. And normally it is the mother that will not discipline their children. I'm not saying always. I'm just saying it seems harder for a mother to discipline their children than the father. And God says if you're not careful, if you do not try to help and discipline those children, they will bring a mother to shame. And we see not only the method of discipline, the motive of discipline, but I want you to notice the mistakes of discipline. Now, I want to just say these are very practical things. Here's one of the mistakes we make in disciplining a child is the angry parent. I'm going to tell you something. If you discipline your child out of anger, it's child abuse. It's wrong. There's nothing right about it. I will appreciate my mother in the fact when she was, when I was at home, I will never forget, and I know Kim can probably remember this as well, I remember my mother would look at me at certain occasions. She'd say, Mark, I am not going to discipline you right now. She said, here's what she said. I'm too mad. I'm too mad. Now, I didn't think a whole lot about that other than, whoo, pray to God she's mad. But now I look up as an older, parent, as an older man, and I, I, I'm saying there was some real restraint there. And I want you to know something. We, we, we need to be very careful not uh, to be very careful of not disciplining out of anger. And by the way, that doesn't mean that we're just touching a child. That means we could be talking to a child out of anger. Saying an unkind word or saying something that we have to apologize for later. God help us. Training or developing a child slinging angry tirades at them and being mad and angry is only going to upset them worse. <laughs> There's nothing right when we do it out of anger. By the way, we need to get that in check. There's times we've been angry at children even here. But we need to be careful and take the time and do it right and do it in the right spirit. That is a great mistake when we try to discipline or train a child in anger. We must be deliberate and we must be controlled and we must have a purpose in mind. We're trying to affect and transform that, heart, that child's heart. So that's a great mistake when we do it out of, the, out of a feeling or out of emotion of anger. Number two, not only the angry parent, but number two, the repeating parent. 
illustration. We'll tell little Johnny to turn off the TV and to do his homework and we'll tell him four or five times to do it before we discipline him before he says it's okay to do it. Or before he makes a movement that he's going to do it. And here's my question there. If he's going to do it on the fourth or the fifth, why not the first? I mean, he's going to do it anyway, right? Because it's in his best interest to get his homework done so he will be able to pass class and to be able to move on to the next grade. And so we have conditioned or we've trained them when we're repeating parent, we have conditioned them, we have trained them that we will coax them and we will bargain with them before we get them to obey. It's like bargaining with the children now. It's like going somewhere and we're repeating something and what we're doing is we're conditioning, we are training that child by, okay, I really don't have to listen the first time. Can I help everybody here just a second? Well, let's say that a car is coming and he's in the middle of the road and your child, you've yelled at him and said, get out of the road and you've conditioned him and say, oh, I don't have to listen to the first one. See, there are times that are more important than others, but to be truthful, we ought to be very careful training and conditioning a child to think that it's okay to disobey us at all. Look, if this is commonplace in our home, if this is commonplace in our church, do you honestly think that our children will listen to God and obey Him immediately if they won't learn to obey human authority? Do you honestly think that your child is going to be helped and trained when God Almighty speaks to them and they've been conditioned to be repeated and repeated and repeated and repeated and repeated? And what if that day our children are sitting in this service and the Holy Spirit of God convicts them and convicts their heart and they go, oh, you know what? God's speaking to me. He's telling me to get saved. But I'll tell you what, I'll wait four or five more times. I don't know about you, but our children might not have four or five more times. Now, uh, obedience, immediate obedience is extremely important. It's, must, it's very much important. And by the way, the greatest element in this kind of discipline is if you're a repeating parent, I'll give you some little help. Consistency. Because here's what you do. Every time your child comes at you, and they will. We all did it, right? We want our way. So what we do is we just keep coming. Now, the older we get, the smarter we get. But here's what we do. We keep coming. And here's what happens. Parents, if you give in, you just hit the reset button. Because now it might have taken them two months, three months, four months, but they, they understand that they just got to you. So now that's okay. Now, it might take me a little longer, but i tell you what, I'm going to get my way. Got to be consistent. By the way, every child's different. We had two. Clay Younger didn't have much of that. Kaylee, she kept a coming. Didn't you, Kaylee? She kept coming. That's just her spirit. That was her attitude. She kept coming. And guess what? We had to keep meeting her. We had to keep meeting her. And I finally looked at her. Me and her were both wore out, weren't we, Kaylee? We were both wore out. And I said, Kaylee, I said, listen to me. I said, you're either going to learn the hard way or the easy way. I said, you know we're not budging. 
So it's just best for you. Just go ahead and line up. And she finally went, okay. The sweating stopped. The talking stopped. My parents didn't have to, Mark, please give her a break. By the way, can I help all of you? Don't ever discipline your children in front of the grandparents. That's not fun as a grandparent. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? It's not fun. But by the way, grandparents, they need it, and we need not get in the way. But I'm going to say all the grand, all the children, you ought to make sure you try to do that away from grandparents. The older they get, the tougher that is. Remember, obedience that is not immediate is not obedience. If it's not obedient, it's not obedience. And do you know what God blesses? He doesn't bless talent, although he can. He doesn't bless winsomeness and someone that can speak well. He, he doesn't just pour his favor on certain people because of their physical characteristics. I'm going to tell you what God has always blessed, obedience. He's always blessed obedience. He blesses obedience. Why? You know what I'm talking about. You know how we really show God that we love him? When we obey him. So why would we want to be a part of a child's life to teach them to live in a certain way that was unloving to their Savior? The repeating parent. Talking about the mistakes, I got one more and I'll close. The negotiating parent. Many parents start out demanding complete obedience, but in the, in the act of it all, in the heat of it all, in the conflict of it all. And by the way, your children are going to give you conflict. Here's what happens. We start negotiating that we'll accept less than what we've asked them. Example. Parents tell a five-year-old to look at someone and say, thank you. The child looks at the ground and mumbles. And we say, oh, wasn't that great? But the truth is, that's not what you asked them to do. And here's what happens. What that child is doing is he's willing to surrender 50%, but he's not willing to surrender 100%. And the last time I checked, The Lord doesn't want our leftovers. He wants us all. And so what happens here is he's willing to surrender 50%, but he's not, on the other hand, or he or she, he's going to keep the other. She's going to keep the other. So to some parents, this is acceptable, but it's not obedience. Maybe you'll repeat the command. and You'll get a little stronger and you'll say, hey, I want you to look at that person and So the child looks and looks up now, but he still just kind of mumbles. Well, now he's giving you or she's giving you 90%, but she's kept or he's kept 10%. And what I've learned in all of us, we're willing to accept that because we think it's better than nothing. And by the way, it is better than nothing, but it's still not what God wants. What's the harm? You say, Pastor, what's the harm with all of this? That that 10%, what, 
What's so big of a deal about that 10%? It's not 90, Pastor. They, they pretty much did what we asked. They just they left that 10% because, see, here's what happens. Are you all ready? This is, this is so powerful because here's what happens. That 10% becomes a wild card for them to use at any time. Y'all get a hold of it. Because they're going to use that as a wild card anytime. And some other time when it's more important than when you're just asking them to look a man or a woman in the eye and say, thank you. Can I give you a point in case? Adonijah. He had no restraints. He had never been disciplined. I won't even say David was even an angry parent. He never disciplined. He wasn't even a negotiating parent because the Bible says he had never at no time did. And so you know what happened? You know what happened. We read it, didn't we? Look at chapter 2 in 1 Kings and let's begin reading in verse 13. Because this is why. This is why we ought to be careful with allowing children to use disobedience as a wild card anytime they want. Especially as adults. Because the Bible said in verse 23 of 1 Kings chapter 2, Then King Solomon sware by the Lord, saying, God do so to me, and more also if Adonijah have not spoken this word against his own life. Now therefore, as the Lord liveth, which hath established me and set me on the throne of David my father, and who hath made me an house, as he promised, Adonijah shall be put to death this day. And King Solomon sent by the hand of Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, and he fell upon him that he died. Cost him his life. Now you say, why is that, Pastor? I'm going to tell you why. Here you go now. He already got past. He already got past the whole thing with being the king. That had done gotten shut down. See? In chapter 1, that had already got shut down because Solomon was already promised the kingdom. So Jehoi- so we understand that Adonijah was beat at his own game. He really wasn't beat at his own game. God's word just came true. But here's what happened with Adonijah. He said, well, I'll tell you what, I don't get king, so I'll tell you what I want. So he couldn't leave well enough alone. He used that 10%. He used that 10% as a wild card and said, I didn't get my way here, so I'm going to get it this way. So he said, I deserve this woman. So he goes and he beguiles the mother of Solomon and he goes to Solomon. By the way, Solomon's the wisest man in the world. He knows exactly what Adonijah's doing. He knows he's never learned what he should have learned as a younger man. He says, I'm going to take care of this. And because he's used this 10% of this disobedience as a wild card, it's going to cost him his life. And he died. A child left to his own will bring a mother shame. You say, Pastor, why is it so important? I think we learn from the life of Adonijah why it's important that we properly, lovingly discipline our children. Now look, none of us are going to be perfect and none of us are going to be the authority on it. But we're going to have to ask God to help us and give us wisdom. Even around here. We've got some real tough ones in here. There's no doubt about it. Some of these little boys, these little girls coming here on our buses, they'll try you, they'll try you, they'll try you. But you know what? It's also a blessing to see many of them are getting it. Y'all know today, man, I, I, I couldn't taste it, but I'm just going to tell y'all something. Kaylee had the bus today. And y'all know Kaylee took Helen home and, and all of her family. And I'm going to tell y'all right now, 
Sexton, y'all are going to appreciate this. Helen gave Kaylee some homemade, homemade tamales. Woo! I mean homemade tamales. And Kaylee brought them things over to mom and dad's house. She pulled them things out. They were wrapped up in a in a, a aluminum foil, and inside that aluminum foil, they had them banana leaves wrapped around them. Is that what they are, Miss Sexton? Actually, corn husks. Corn husks. They were something. They were green. <laughs> and I'm telling you right now, man. Kaylee said, "Does anybody want to try these?" Yeah, they're all gone, Clay. Sorry. And uh, that's what you get for not being here today. Hey, and uh, so, man. We got that tamale, and man, they opened things up. Brother Mike tried one, Jonah tried one, Noah tried one. We were all eating on them, and I ate one all by myself. And you said, well, fast, you couldn't even taste it. No, I couldn't, but I know it was good. <laughs> and man, in the middle of that thing, Sexton's, they had chicken in it. In the very middle of it, and here's the thing, had the bone in the chicken. And boy, when I got on, I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. So I finally found, just pull that thing out. Eat the chicken off the bone. Eat that tamale. I'm telling y'all right now. Why are you bringing this up? I have no idea. I had a point. Kids on the bus. I don't know about y'all, but I just have a sneaky suspicion we've had an influence on Helen's life because you just don't give up them things. So I'm going to say this. I think some of our folks around here has done some things right. And we got to keep doing it. We have to continue to lovingly train children. Out of a heart of love. Look, there are many adults who refuse to give God total control of their lives because they learned it as a child. They struggle with self-will. They struggle with stubbornness most of their lives. And I want you to know something. We know that a child is known by their doings. But I'm telling you right now, loving biblical discipline is so very important. And to do it right, we have to ask God to help us. Because it's not something that we just wake up every day that we look forward to doing. But it is so necessary. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? How many of you older parents, your grandparent now, you say, boy, I wish I could go back. I'd have changed some things. Would you raise your hand? Everybody in here would. Why? Because we're always learning. Now, look, there's many young parents here. You have children at home. Take the advice of good, godly people. But even greater than that, when you have the advice from the word of God, I can promise you this. It'll never hurt you. So I ask God help all of us to be the right kind of trainers and teachers, mothers and fathers, that we might be even in this church and our ministries that we will help transform a heart. Amen. Could I ask you to stand on your feet tonight? Now, church, I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask. A little different tonight. I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask. How many of you, You say, Pastor, I'm not a parent. I don't have children at home. But you work and you serve in this church. And maybe even you are a parent or a grandparent. And you're working in this church. And you're around these children all the time. Can I ask you to come around an old-fashioned altar tonight and just ask God to give you wisdom and how to train and teach and invest and lovingly help these children? And then can I say, moms and dads, 
You have children at home. Could I ask for you to come around an old-fashioned altar and maybe just bring your family down here. Bring your children down here. Pray with them and say, Lord, help us to be wise. Give us the wisdom. Help us to be interested in the greatest job, the greatest gift that God has given us is children. God, help us to be wise. Help us to lovingly train them. And let's ask God to help us and give us the supernatural divine enablement that it requires to do it with God's help. Amen. How many of you work with children here and you'd come as a church member and say, oh God, help me. I want to have wisdom and teaching children. Would you come? Uh, All the teachers, wherever you're at, would you come? Moms and dads, how about it? Would you come? Would you come? Moms and dads, bring your children. Just bring them around this old-fashioned altar. Be good for them. Say, God, help us to lovingly, biblically teach, train, invest, instruct, instruct. Takes a lot of instruction, a lot of instruction, a lot of instruction. And when you think you've talked too much, you got to talk again. You got to tell them again. You got to explain it again. When your children become a teenager and they're not rolling your, their eyes, you're not doing it right. <laughs> the Bible says our children are heritage of the Lord. They've been given to us by God. God help us. It is a lifelong journey. Father, we come to you tonight. Lord, we just, we ask. Lord, I'm not an authority on this. Lord, the longer I live, the more I realize how many mistakes I've made. But Lord, we know your plan is perfect. And Lord, I pray that you will enable every parent in this church. Lord, I pray that you will spiritually enable every worker in this church. Lord, I pray you'll help us not to just depend upon our own vices, our own self, our own personality, what we think we can do, because, Lord, we'll fail. 
Lord, when you tell us to train up a child in the way he should go, that has to come from divine enablement. So, Lord, I pray you'll give us wisdom. Lord, we need, we need wisdom in this place. Parents need wisdom today like they've never had it. With all that's going on in this society and in this culture, Lord, I pray you'll give these dear precious parents here in this building tonight wisdom. And we'll thank you for what you do. Bless each child, each teenager that's in this building tonight, Lord. We love them. and I pray you'll bless each life. And Lord, as I looked across this front this, this evening with these precious children, Lord, what, what opportunity for the future. What a bright spot for the future with the lives of these children. I pray you'll help them and bless them now. Well, thank you for it. We ask it in Jesus' name and all God's people say it. God bless you. Now look, before you leave tonight, tell the two, three people you love them, appreciate them. God bless you. Have a great night.